Blog Talk Radio. Icon, Granny Hawkster, and Big Swim. Oh yeah, it is Monday again, and they say it's home sweet home, right? They say that it is, uh, what was was that line from The Wizard of Oz? There's no place like home. There's There's no no place place like like home. home. (laughs) And that's exactly what it is for those of you who may not have heard me on the air the past couple of weeks. Um, some things have been going down. Uh, as you know, there's like a little mini war going on um, between two shows and two programs. And, uh, you know, I, I was dragged into the middle of that. Uh, but also, you know, I, I've had some, uh, some as Icon, the quote that Icon loved so much, I had uh, prior obligations and life complications and could not uh, be on the air, but Icon did a bang-up job last week, uh, running the board himself and running everything himself, so uh, bravo to him for that, uh, but, you know, I am back, I, I, I even, you know, I even took off of work uh, to, to you know, be here tonight with you guys, even though I was scheduled to be on uh, until midnight my time, uh, so I am losing out in two hours Hey, but that that's that's you guys, you know, it's it is what it is. So anywho. Um Icon and Granny Holster are here with us. Uh I got Monday night football running on one side, uh and I have obviously not the Yankees tonight, but I will have the Yankees tomorrow. Um and uh we're going from there. So how are both of y'all both of y'all doing tonight? Well good. I'm doing pretty good, but uh, you know, there's a little Rumor and innuendo uh, that, you know, I want to ask you about, you know, um, you, uh, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, the uh, little tip that we have going on with a certain show in Winnipeg and a certain uh, uh, co-host. city you love, by the way. We know how much you love Winnipeg. Yeah, who uh, 
who who could study for two weeks and couldn't pass the piss test. But anyway, uh, so the rumor in Indiendo is that you know you know you were gone for a couple weeks, and uh, the rumor mm-hmm. is that he was trying to recruit you uh, to make you jump ship from our show to his show, and uh, we're wondering uh, how those negotiations went and what kind of uh, financial uh, incentive he was offering that you uh, obviously turned down because you're still with us. Uh, well. The you know when when I when I got down to nickels and dollars and and, and dimes and pennies or however they say it, um, one American dollar is worth a dollar thirty two Canadian. Uh, so, I mean we're still we're still a little bit little bit uh, above the uh, the Canadian dollar and you know when it came down to it, you know it, it just it it didn't it, there were some good offers on the table there were some good incentives there were some some good, um, you know, some, some, some perks, some here's and some there's, and, and a lot of things that people, um, that, that he, you know, there were promises that were made and things. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I am one of the creators and the founders of this program, uh, and, and I really, really had no intention of leaving this program. Um, possibly possibly doing both if if possible to to pull off both uh you know to help out a, a fellow radio personnel um but but there really there really wasn't uh any any chance of me actually leaving the program hey there is there is one quote that i mm. i want you to use that Bret Hart wants to use but instead of saying oh i'll be with the WWF forever i want you to say I'll be with Attitude Era live forever. <laughs> uh, well, well, yes, I, I, I will be with Attitude Era live forever. And not only that, but, Icon, I, I don't know if that's a catch-22 using that uh, Bret Hart reference because he wasn't with, with WWF forever. He actually uh, jumped ship and took more money to go to WCW, uh, you know, a la the Montreal Screwjob. Um, but... When they say the grass is always greener on the other side, uh, for for Brett it wasn't because he was the man, the myth, the legend. He was the best there is, there ever was, uh, best there is, best there was, and best there ever will be in WWF. Goes to WCW, uh, and like many players who get traded to the Cleveland Browns, he goes there to die. So he he just um, he just wasn't uh, wasn't what he was in WCW, and, and that that's actually what came to my mind of. If I did leave this program and went to another related wrestling program, uh, would it be a WCW-type thing where it just wouldn't work out the same? And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I could risk that, honestly. So um, Yeah, and I don't, think, of, I don't think JG – I don't think JG would know what to do with you, to be honest with you. And I – and like – I quote another great wrestler, my hero, Scott Hall, said, you know, I'm not hey, too yeah. sure about the creative prospects, you know. Mm. I mean, but, hey, Big Kev is coming, but I'm still not, you know, I mean, they got a lame product. This is where the big boys play. You know, I I think his new tagline is, this is where the potsters, uh, potsters play, um, as a matter of fact. So, I think that's his new tagline, but we're not going to well, talk my, about him anymore. 
Well, well, that's the I mean, thing. I was leading, I was segueing into with the WCW example and how WCW gave WWE a run for their money. And honestly, if creed, or creed, excuse me, greed and corruption and politics didn't go into it, may very well have put WWF out of business, uh, and that is WCW. I now have had an opportunity to watch uh, a couple of uh, public cable broadcasts of AEW. And I don't know if you guys have been watching Dynamite uh, as well, but boy, oh boy, and God, oh God, does it, does it feel good to hear JR on, on a, a wrestling broadcast again. Um, but not yeah. only that, not only that though, but everything that we loved about the Attitude Era, and I'm not just talking the, the mud wrestling and the female subjugation and all that. No, no, no. I'm talking about the, the just pure chaos, the raw storyline, the, the, you know, unscripted feel of hey, AEW. Our, our first guest, I didn't interrupt you, but our first guest will be calling in about six minutes. I'll let you finish. Yeah, no I just want to let everybody know uh, who sure, we got sure. coming on tonight. Uh, okay. We got, uh, we got uh, three big ones coming on tonight. We got uh, Larry Jones. We have okay. uh, Philip Stamper. And we have the legend, legendary son of the legend Bobby V. We have Robbie V with us tonight. Hmm. And awesome. it is going to be super cool. As you know, Bobby V is from my home city and hometown and uh, home state of North Dakota. And, you know, we lost Bobby V here a couple years back. I've always been a fan of Bobby V. That's what my parents used to play, Mm -hmm. his record uh, for me to go to sleep, uh, rubber ball and run to him and come back when you grow up, girl, and a lot of others, devil or angel. So he's going to talk to us about that. Of course, my dad always used to play Sherwin Linton as well, the Three Bears, which I have had the opportunity to sing with Sherwin Linton on the stage. But uh, we got five minutes before our guest goes in. Uh, so go ahead, uh, Big Swing. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but go ahead. I'm just excited about what we got coming on. And uh, before the end of the show, I'll let everybody know what we got coming on next week as the Icons documentary starts to take shape. We'll explain more about that later. Which is pretty cool, too. We have one of our very own uh, co-hosts here. Oh, the Monday Night Raw draft is Um. Anyway, uh, so does anybody feel like AEW has a uh, has a WCW or a WWF Attitude Era type of feel to it? You guys I feel like, like, like they got a great show. Yeah, I, I feel like it's just pure chaos, which is one of the things that I think everybody loved about the Attitude Era. Was it was, it well, was you know, the action was, was just so unscripted. Which is which is the odd thing. They're not going head to head with Monday Night Raw. I, I think was, if they did I, that, I think that'd be good. I was part of a special podcast tonight that I have two very good friends that started this podcast last Wednesday night, and um, the one gentleman, Ken Resnick, is a personal friend of mine back from the days of GCW, so I called in to listen to last week, and I they were doing a special episode tonight instead of this Wednesday, and we were talking about AEW, how it was kind of like 
back in the like back to the old school type of wrestling, which you know they were even very impressed with it as well. You know, because Ken Resnick, you know, for two years, I mean, well, he started his career with AWA and then he went to WWF. And he was a commentator, and he was a interviewer, you know, for WWF back in the day. And um, so we were talking about AEW tonight on their podcast as well. I called in to listen to the show before we had to do ours. So, well, now, um, by the way, I don't know if you guys are watching Raw. Uh, your buddy there, uh, King Corbin, uh, was just drafted to SmackDown. Good, so, get him the hell out. So the Miz, so here, here's a recap of round five. Samoa Joe to Raw, Miz to SmackDown, Akira Tozawa to Raw, King Corbin to um, to SmackDown, and uh, I missed that last one on Raw there. But um, but yeah, they're, they're, oh, here it is, hold on, round two, what's today, it's today the 14th? Yeah, so our truth coming to Raw. Now, here's the weird thing. Our truth to Raw, Carmella to SmackDown. That's a little weird. Um, Rusev coming to Raw. Uh, Alistair Black coming to Raw. Cedric Alexander coming to Raw. Um, Eric Rowan coming to Raw. So, a couple of people are... Uh, Jinder Mahal. A couple of people are coming to uh, to Raw. Um, oh, uh, 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 Samoa Joe coming to Raw. So yeah, it's 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 interesting um, how they how they've they've been running it so far. Um, but uh, but we'll give a full recap at the end of the show of of all the Raw and SmackDown draft picks. But guys, real quick before our guest calls in, um, yeah, really though, I think AEW has a shot to really challenge and really be, you know, the the more than just the dog nipping at the heels. Of of WWF, I, I or excuse me WWE, I, I really think that that AEW has a shot to, uh, you know, to be something special here. And like I said, JR on the program again, and all the big names that are coming over, uh, you know, big names that are signing with them. Uh, it's not like you're watching a bunch of nobodies. It's names you recognize. So I, I you know, I, but but we'll get into that as well as the Raw draft uh, at the end of the show. Um, Icon, the first guest is in the queue here. Uh, is it an eight five nine number, Louisville, Kentucky number? That would uh, that would be correct. Or excuse me, Lexington, not Louisville. Sorry, but okay. Yeah, so it is a Kentucky correct. number. So I will put them on. I got to step aside here to uh, put Monday Night Football. Um, make sure everything's good with that. But I will be listening uh, so I can chime in if need be. Icon, I'm going to put them through. Do your thing. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, we have with us the king of the NWF. Ladies and gentlemen, let's bring him out. Let's have him step up to the plate. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Larry Jones. Hey, this is legendary Larry D, and you're listening to the Attitude Era Live with Icon, Big Swing, and Granny Hulkster. What's up, guys? How are y'all doing? Awesome. Hey, bud. Now, tell me, was that not the best in-ring introduction you've ever had? I, I enjoyed that. I thought it was really cool. Oh. Well, you know, if you ever decide that uh, you want to be like uh, Alberto Del Rio and want your own personal ring announcer, that was my audition. <laughs> uh, you're hired, bro. 
right. So uh, we have uh, we have Larry Dion here with us. We got thirty minutes here with Larry. Uh, real quick here before we get into the interview, if you want to give us a little background about yourself, then we'll talk to you. Uh, you know, I've been uh, I've been wrestling almost nineteen years. I started at a very young age. I travel the country. I, I, I'm all over the Midwest usually. Uh, you know, just stay on the hustle. Um, from I'm from a little town in Kentucky called Georgetown, and and my goal is to put Georgetown on the map for more than just manufacturing Toyota automobiles. So uh, what I do is I, I take I take myself in in a, in a small vehicle and I load it up with my wife and and several of my students, and we travel the country trying to live out our dream. And I feel like we're doing a great uh, we're doing, giving a great effort at that right now. So I, I'm I'm pleased with the way things are going. That is awesome. So in your tenure in the business, you know, you mentioned 19 years. So you're pretty much a veteran by this time. How many different entities have you wrestled for in that time? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I mean, I, I've wrestled everywhere from here to Iowa, Alabama, and anywhere in between. So I would venture to say at least 600 or, or more, I would say, over the last – I mean, I started out at a very young age, and and I would wrestle, you know, at least five or six times a week and still go to high school and, and you know, just continue like that over the last uh, – it will be 19 years in March for me. So, you know, to put a number on it, I would I would guess anywhere between five and 600, maybe more, uh, more than likely. That is awesome. Now, you mentioned you're from uh, Georgetown. Is that now the same uh, Georgetown as where the Hoyas are from? No, no, no. That, I'm in Georgetown, Kentucky. I'm right outside of Lexington, Kentucky. So it's, we're in Wildcat country here. Uh, you're, you're talking oh, okay. about uh, – yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry, I didn't, didn't mean to curse on the air. Sorry, yeah, Icon, the, uh, <laughs> the Hoyas are from, uh, the Hoyas are from a, a section of Washington, D.C. known as Georgetown. But, uh, but, yeah, totally different state. Right. Yeah, you're well, talking Patrick Ewing. I'm talking Jamal Mashburn. <laughs> well, I'll admit, geography has never been my strong suit. Just ask my teacher. I, I got a I got an F-plus in it. So uh, I was one uh, question away from getting a D-minus. But, anyway, that's another story for another time. So with all the different areas that you've traveled, and you are basically a seasoned vet, as we just mentioned, what has been your your favorite location or favorite federation and uh, in your different uh, entities that you've wrestled for, have you had a chance to hold any championships? Uh, yeah, I've held several championships. And, you know, I mean, uh, 19 years you wrestle at a lot of bad places and you wrestle at a lot of good places. And it's hard to pinpoint uh, one one great, you know, my top promotion. But I, I would say that the, the Northern Wrestling Federation is one of my favorites. They gave me a home uh, when I was on my way up. And, you know, recently I've been wrestling with uh, the Wrestling Revolver about the last three years, and I'm a former heavyweight champ for them. And uh, I just I just lost a match to Killer Cross and uh, Madman Fulton uh, two weeks ago. So I had, I had the Revolver title for almost a year. Um a really good show. I suggest if anyone has not checked out the Revolver show, go to the High Spots Network and and uh, link up and catch a catch a Revolver show. They're they're really entertaining, really fun, really good. We have uh, Larry D as our guest here. We got 26 minutes here left with Larry. 
Uh, I will ask another question, and we'll kind of go around the room here. I'll ask actually two questions, then we'll kind of go around the room. Uh, then we'll we'll circle back to me. Well, you know, you mentioned you know you wrestled for some good places and bad places. I don't know if you'll answer this question. I'll understand if you don't want to. But is there a location that you never, ever, ever will wrestle again? Uh, I can't say that I'll never ever wrestle at a location again because you know uh, I have a family to feed. But I mean, I, uh, I, I mean, I, not not particularly. I mean, I, I love wrestling so much, but I, I mean, I feel like I'll go anywhere. You know, I mean, uh, I feel like if if I had to say, I, I would, I'm probably not wrestle in Eastern Kentucky, uh, just because I, I wrestled there so much on my way up. Not not that it's bad wrestling or that there's anything negative towards it. I just feel like I spent so much time in the in the Eastern Kentucky era uh, area on, on my way up. So so I mean, I, just, I feel like I've been there. There's nothing there to see. There's, there's you know, I, I like going on the trips and. Uh, my wife and I love to stop and and eat at places that that we wouldn't be able to eat at here at home. So, uh, but but in Eastern Kentucky, it's it's just just roads and and dirt roads and not really anything but little side delis there. And and we've you know wrestling is just a part of it. The the, the bigger part of it is the trips and things. And I, I like to I like to see my surroundings. And, and there's not really much to see down there because there's not much going on in Eastern Kentucky. And when you wrestle, would you consider yourself to be a babyface, a heel, an in betweeny, or are you what the crowd decides you're going to be? Uh, I usually let the crowd decide, uh, but most most of the time, you know, I mean, it just depends. I mean, up up in the Midwest area, I'm usually a babyface. Down in the down in Alabama, Tennessee, and the southern states, uh, I'm usually the heel, uh, uh, and, and they don't like me very well. Well, you know, you mentioned uh, you mentioned you're a heel, Granny. What do you got? We have Larry D. We have 24 minutes. Go ahead, Granny. What do you got? Well, hello, Larry. I am Granny Holstra. I'm not a wrestler. I'm just a huge fan of the sport. And Granny does not like the heels. I mean, I can talk some pretty good smack to them when I have to, whether it be male or female. So I think Granny would have a lot of fun, you know, because I live in Arkansas. And you know, I'm sorry. have you ever thought? Have you ever thought of coming to Arkansas or Oklahoma and doing some wrestling? Because I help with an organization called Wrestling for a Cause over in Oklahoma, that they do shows for kids, wrestling shows for kids that have cancer. So you know, maybe you should come to Arkansas and Oklahoma. We've got a, would, a new federation. Go ahead. I would love to wrestle in uh, Arkansas or Oklahoma. I, I did a seminar uh, about a month ago, and there was. Two guys that drove 13 hours to take my seminar from Oklahoma, and they was they was talking about some wrestling down there. So I, I would love to do that this coming year. Uh, I would well, love to that's get down awesome. especially for that. That's call. awesome. Yeah. One of our uh, wrestling generations here in Arkansas that just started in February, they've been pretty much running about once a month, and they run out of Fayetteville, Arkansas, and they have a local wrestling school in Springdale, and then there is another one that's going to be starting. Their first show is going to be November 2nd in Arkansas, so I'm looking forward to seeing that, too, because Granny loves her wrestling. But my one of my questions to you is um, who kind of was, you know, did, did you have somebody that you idolized, somebody that kind of got you into wrestling? I mean, or did you just, were you a fan, or can you... Share with us and the listeners, you know, kind of what made that decision for you to go that way. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it started at a very young age for me, and, and my, my, my dad was a really big wrestling fan. And, you know, my, my brother and my mother really didn't like wrestling on, our, on on when I was coming up. But, you know, it just seemed like at a young age I was just um, – I was amazed at what what I'd seen there, and my dad was a my dad was a, was a farmhand growing up, and he made very little money, so he had to work long hours, and I didn't get to see him much. And so so that when he'd come home late, we would get to share like wrestling, and, and him and I would watch wrestling. And then he happened to get off work early on one Friday night, and they had wrestling here in my hometown, and I, I had no idea what he was talking about when he. He was coming home to take us to wrestling, and um, you know, a little bit I know I, I would go in and scared to death, but I would walk out in love. And, and you know, I always told my parents that I wanted to be a pro wrestler, and, and to this day, they're they're still at amazement at, at you know that I get to travel the country and and see the things that I see and do what I do on account of pro wrestling and what it's blessing me with. So, uh, yeah. you know, that it, it's really cool to see that, and you know, my dad. My dad is such a uh, – he's soft-hearted, he's kind-hearted, and, and, you know, every time that I'm in there, if if, if I achieve something or something good comes my way, um, he, he's, he's always right there, and, and I can just see him tear up in his eyes. And I know that this Saturday when I'm on Twitch for Impact and that he'll he'll just be watching it. And, and you know, he told me – he told me a couple of weeks back that it's just amazing that – you know, he, 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 we would watch wrestling together on the television, and now with a certain streaming device or certain channel that he can turn it on, he'll see his son out there wrestling, and it's just it's surreal to him, and it, it's it's really cool to me to be able to give him that. Well, I like it when people say wrestling instead of wrestling; they say wrestling, <laughs> you know, especially yeah, down here yeah. in the south, you know, but down here in Arkansas. Now, I know you mentioned that there were a couple of guys that came from Oklahoma to your seminar that drove several hours. I mean, I know a lot of wrestlers in Oklahoma, so uh, I may, I might, I might have known me if you can remember their names. I might have known who who they are, but one was uh, Jake O'Brien. I believe. I know Jake. Name. Yes, yes, I know and Jake very other, well. And the other guy, man, I'm struggling to remember his name. Um, but both both really uh, Morrison something Morrison. Uh, oh oh, oh yeah uh, yeah yeah uh, yeah I know him too. I know actually I know both of those guys quite well. I've known both of those wrestlers for for many years. I'm, I've lived in Arkansas since 1988, and I moved to Springdale, Arkansas, where I currently live now in 1999. So yes, I know both of those wrestlers quite well. So yeah, really, he goes by the really name. He too. goes by the name of Brawler Morrison. So when he wrestles, okay, yep, that's so. it. That's it. Yep. I, I was yep, blown I know. away that they would drive that long to come take a seminar uh, in Indiana for me, and and you know uh, I come requested by Bob Evans to them, and, and Bob Evans told them that they should attend my seminar with them being bigger guys, and they felt yeah, that, I think that, they actually both mentioned that on their Facebook pages that they were actually coming to that. They shared that they were actually coming to that particular seminar, I believe. But, yeah, you need to, um, you know, Wrestling for a Cause, they have a Facebook page. You know, you can get um, the information on their Facebook page, the promoter who to talk to. And, of course, I know the promoter for Wrestling for a Cause. I know the promoter for WCWA. And 
um, yeah, it would be awesome to see you in Arkansas and Oklahoma. We they have a lot of good shows over here. So yeah, I, and I ran nice... into David King before, and he, he was telling yeah. me about Arkansas. Um, I met him in Tunica, Mississippi, and then I guess mm-hmm. there was like, is it Jonesboro, maybe Arkansas or something? Jones, Arkansas. Well, there there is a Jonesboro, Arkansas now. I my husband and my son and I we just went to a show in Hot Springs on Saturday for. Championship Wrestling Arkansas CWA. Um, Aaron Anderson was in attendance there. Cowboy Bob Orton Jr. Buff Bagwell was there. Um, amazing show. I mean, and they had a 15-man Royal Rumble match, and Matt Riviera was uh, won the Rumble match, so he was crowned the first um, CWA Heavyweight Champion. I mean, uh, for that event for that night. It was a really awesome show, and I think they're going to be doing another one in Maumelle, Arkansas, which is close to Little Rock, in January, so... Oh, okay. Cool, cool. I'll definitely go look them up. So, but that's what I got, Icon, so... That is awesome. We got Larry D here with us. We got 17 minutes left here. Uh, if Big Swing is there, if he's got a few things, uh, then we'll circle back to me, then we'll ask... Then I'm going to ask you the hard-hitting, difficult questions. But a big swing, if you're there, what do you got? Uh, well, basically, um, I'm curious about your your journey. I mean, you, you talked about, you know, it being rural Kentucky um, and, and about how there's really not much out there. Um, kind of take us through your journey a little bit. How did you get your start and uh, what – what made you decide that wrestling is what you wanted to do? I mean, I know a lot of people, you know, they play football, they play baseball, they they do whatever. Uh, very few of them become professionals in those sports. But, uh, you know, did you have anybody you look up to, anybody you wanted to be like, Any anything that happened as a kid that made you want to become a wrestler? Or just kind of take us through how you got to where you're at. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, I, it, I, I played football growing up. I mean, I'm, I'm a bigger guy. So, I mean, I played offensive line up to my high school. And, well, you, know, you mentioned you're a bigger guy. Tell us what your stats are real quick. I'm about six foot three thirty right now. And um, so I'm I'm power lifter. Um, and just, just, just a big stout Kentucky brute really is what I am. And um, um, but as far as my journey goes, I, I've always, I feel like I said, from the time that I saw wrestling uh, with my dad and, 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 I knew that's what I wanted to do. I guess a lot of people, the cliche things say, all the bugs bit me or whatnot, but I, I knew walking out of there that, that I wanted to be a pro wrestler. You know, uh, I used to, uh, up to that point, it's, it's funny that, that I remember this now, but I would always tell my teachers I wanted to be a comedian. And, and you know, it's, 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 it's something that I always wanted to do. I just wanted to be a comedian. And then I seemed like when I, when I fell in love with pro wrestling, it, it was like automatically. I, I knew I wanted to be a pro wrestler, and and you know I didn't know I didn't know the way to go about getting into professional wrestling. So um, my uncle my uncle actually lived with with one of the local wrestlers, and I, I met one of his mutual friends, and and that's how we kind of come about for me getting started into pro wrestling, and and. Like I said, I was I was a sophomore in high school when I started training. I was a junior in high school when I started wrestling, and I've not had an off season yet. I wrestle over 200 times per year, and I still hold a full time job. So I mean, my my plate's kind of full. Nice. Um. Now, but when you 
why, like, did you have anybody, you know, that you idolized as a kid? Oh, like, any particular wrestlers that you wanted to be like or, or whatnot? Or? Yeah, I wanted, I wanted to be Hulk Hogan. <laughs> and I just loved the okay. way that he interacted with the kids. I loved the way that Hulk Hogan had the children look up to him. And then, then as, as I started to dig deeper into pro wrestling, I really, I really bought into Dusty Rhodes. And just, just okay. I loved everything about him. I felt like our stories were similar with, with him coming from a not-so-wealthy family and, and, and just being a bigger guy. And, and just at, even at a young age, I knew that Dusty Rhodes was a guy that, that if I was ever a wrestler, that I felt like Dusty Rhodes would be something that I would that I would kind of be like. You know, I've never been this muscled-out, jacked-up Hulk Hogan figure. You know, even though, you know, I idolized Hulk Hogan and, and for the things that he's done and, and, you know, how everyone looked up to him, I think – I think I fell more into the Dusty Rhodes side of things because he was just a hardworking man. I come from a, my dad was a hardworking man, and, and I just love the I love the whole backstory on Dusty Rhodes. So if I had two guys that I idolized coming up, it, it would have to be Hulk Hogan and Dusty Rhodes. Yes, that is awesome. We have uh, Larry D here with us. We got 13 minutes left here. Uh, we'll kind of circle back to me here, and I'm going to ask you the hard hitting questions, and then uh, we'll will give you an opportunity to promote uh, what you got going on. So here's a question I ask all independent wrestlers, and no one, none of them have ever asked it the same way, so I'm going to put it to you. It's a two-part question. First part, if the, let's say a WWE agent or official was at a match that you're at, and they say, hey, this is a hell of a good-looking worker. We want him. Now, two-part question. Let's say that WWE at, wants you to join their roster and they offer you that million dollar contract part one is that something that you'd want to do and part two if you do get that million dollar contract will you not big time with some still talkers and be our friend (laughs) Uh, you know I think I think the ultimate goal for all of us as pro wrestlers is being signed to a major contract so I mean if, if an impact or an AEW or WWE or even Ring of Honor or anyone else that that laid paper in front of me uh, I'm going to sign it because I feel like it's been a dream of mine uh, from day one. Uh, I think that if, if any wrestler looks at you in the eye and tells you that they don't want to be a signed professional wrestler, I feel like they'd probably be lying to you down somewhere. Uh, and secondly, uh, I, 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 can't, I can't help but to think that, that I started at the bottom. So, I mean, the, the bottom was the people who helped me uh, come along in my journey to, to buy my T-shirt or uh, buy my picture or even put me on a podcast. So absolutely, I would I would still talk to anyone that, that wanted to talk to me. And, and I love doing podcasts. I love I love telling my story. I love hearing uh, different things of, of people from all over the country and, and just making connections and friends because uh, I think that's what pro wrestling is, 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 is a big family, a big brotherhood. And, and uh, absolutely would talk to anyone that wanted to talk to me. And uh, I have to, I have to do this because uh, you know our, our fans that listen every week know this was coming. Uh, the icon made you a cool collector's card. What was your thought on that? <laughs> I love, I love any kind of stuff that I get uh, that I get made like that. That was really cool. And I mean, I get stuff given to me all the time, and it's just, it's 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 weird to to uh, to see the gifts that these people they they will pay their money to come in like like just Thursday night in Indiana I had 
two things given to me. One was a sticker, and the other was an even bigger sticker, and, and I put them right on my gear bag. And I'm always appreciative for gifts, and, and, and you know, I know I know that it comes from the heart whenever they're handed to me. So I always appreciate things like that. And also, if if I were to send you an address, if you can, do you think you might be able to send us some uh, autographs for our big December giveaway show that we got coming up? Absolutely, yes. Send me send me the information, and I'll, I'll get it out sent to you. I'll send pictures and, and, and anything else that I got. Awesome. Now, for people that have not seen Larry B, uh, and I, I I know you're bigger than me. You could squash me like a grape, but I hope you don't mind this comparison. But uh, Larry B is a is a is kind of like a bigger version of a cross between the Big Show and Hugh Morris. That's a fair assessment. <laughs> All right, and he—he's a—he and his look. I mean, you know, the guy's got a tattoo right across his chest. I don't know what it says. I think it says "Don't mess with me" or something like that, right? That's, that's actually my son's name. I have my—I have my son's name across my chest and my daughter's name across my shoulder blade. Okay, all right. Uh, and you probably won't be adding the icon's name anywhere anytime soon, I would guess. Uh, I mean, you never know, man. If he, I guess if it's some good chums <laughs> like this, you can. I mean, you never know. You can't never knock it out of the park. Because I always, uh, I always thought it'd be cool. Like, uh, if I ever had the guts to get a tattoo, I tattoo I C O N right on my knuckles. You know, I, that would make a pretty cool jail tattoo. I mean, it'd be a great lie for someone that didn't know you to say that you got it in prison. Awesome. We have uh, Larry D as our guest here. We got eight minutes here left with Larry. Uh, now, if our fans wanted to. Uh, check you out. Uh, you got a Facebook, you got an Instagram, you got a Twitter, you got a YouTube, you got a Twitch, you got a GoFundMe. What do you got? Yeah, I've got. Uh, um, you can find me. I mean, I don't. I don't have. I don't. I don't. I mean, I am me. You know. I mean, I feel like a lot of people have characters in wrestling, and, and you know, yes, I have a character, but my my character is just Larry Jones. And you can find me on Facebook at Larry Jones. Um, on Twitter, it's, it's best hand in the house at Legend of Larry D. Uh, same thing with with Instagram. It's the best chain in the house, and uh, you know I, I don't really fool. With, I, I can't keep up with Instagram. I'm, I'm still trying to work and figure that thing out, and sometimes I just give up on it. But I'm very active on Twitter, very active on Facebook, and I I, I usually respond to messages fairly quickly. Um, so I mean I, I'm I don't I don't just avoid uh, any messages or anything like that. So by all means, uh, find me on on Twitter or Facebook. That would be your best options to find me. Uh, I've just started a YouTube channel, uh, and you just search Larry Jones, and uh, I do a weekly, um, it's almost like a little vlog type thing when we're on the road. It's, it's about 15 minutes worth of our weekend road trips, and I've got myself and my wife and some of the students from my academy, and it just kind of covers the journeys that we take on the weekends. And I've just recently started this thing, and the only reason I do the YouTube thing is because my son, who is nine years old, has his own YouTube channel as well. So I'm trying to keep up with him and, and something that we share together, and that's really cool. So uh, the thing's catching on, so hopefully it gets better and better each week. Well, you know, you mentioned your academy. If uh, our fans in your local area that are around you wanted to uh, join, is that something that they can join up, or 
do you uh, do you try and find people, recruit people? Uh, Can anybody join up and sign up? How does that work? Tell us about. No, I don't. I mean, I don't. I, I can't. I don't turn anyone away as far as you know. I mean, they obviously they have to be physically capable to be a pro wrestler, but I don't just train wrestling. I train ring announcers, referees, managers, valets, wrestlers, anything. And if, if you're in the area, if you're interested, uh, by all means, you can find me on Facebook or Twitter or send me an email at legendsforwrestlingacademy at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get you set up and, and taken care of. Right now I've got about 15 students in there, and they're doing great. They're traveling all over the Midwest. And, and my wife is even uh, – she's getting ready to start wrestling herself. She's She's gone through my academy, and she's doing really well. So – uh, just be looking for Paige Jones in the near future uh, to come up once she's once she's out there and, and running the roads as well and getting booked all over the country with us. So it's really exciting to see to see. Uh, I get I get a lot of pleasure in, in helping people and and, and taking them from uh, uh, so they might be in this area stuck in this bubble. And I love taking them in my car and, and introducing them to new promoters all over the country. And then they get to go their own direction, their own path. And I have a small hand in helping out. And, you know, if you have any uh, up-and-comers that would want to get their feet wet on a podcast, what I'd like you to do is maybe uh, send me their information, say, I got this guy, this guy, this gal, whatever, and, uh, you know, uh, I can get them on the show and have them get their feet wet, get their name out there to people, to promoters that listen to the show. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. Most definitely. I've got... I've got several people that 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 would love to do that, you know. And usually, usually in my car, I have Victor Vargas, and I have uh, Kayla Cassidy, and then they're from my academy, and of course my wife. And but I have a whole slew of people back home here. That's there's I've got Brandon Taggart who is who is doing work with Evolve now, and 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 he he's from the area here. He he'd be a good one to talk to. And yeah, absolutely, I'll, I'll send you a message and, and and get you a whole list of guys, and I'll have them in touch with you as well. Uh, we have uh, Larry D as our guest here. We got four minutes left. You know, you mentioned your wife is uh, getting into the wrestling scene. That would be a cool match. Next week, tune in to see husband versus wife. We have divorce papers on a pole match. Tune in live. <laughs> well, I, I guess it would depend on which uh, on which which week of the month it is for me to decide how hard I bring the thunder to her or not because. If I choose the wrong week, I, I may I may come out on the losing end. <laughs> and hey, now like I say, I uh, I just auditioned again, man. You need a you need a guy to do promosover voiceovers for your uh, radio spots. Speaking of that, real quick here, and we're gonna do this for you because we love you. If you want to promote uh, any shows that you got coming up in your academy that you do, if you have any radio spots, what I want you to do is send them to me, and we'll give you some free advertising on the show, and we'll do what uh, we call here on Attitude Era Live uh, commercials for autographs. We'll trade it. There out. you go. I'll send you. I'll send you all kinds of stuff. There's, I'm so busy, man, and so blessed to be be able to do what I do. So absolutely, I'll send you everything that I've got. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, we do appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. Uh, we got uh, two minutes here. Real quick, when is your next match? Where is it? When is it? What day is it? What time is it? And uh, can fans get tickets if they want to come see you? 
I'll be I'll be in Dayton, Ohio this Wednesday night for Rockstar Pro Wrestling. You can find them on Facebook and Twitter, and you get all the information that you need up there. And it's it's an every week show. It's called Amped. If you want to uh, search them on YouTube, uh, you can just type in Wednesday Night Amped with Rockstar Pro Wrestling, and you should see all kinds of things up there. It's, it's got the OVE guys. It's got Zachary Lynch. It's got Trey Miguel. Uh, just just a really good solid wrestling show up there. And that's where I'll be this Wednesday night. Uh, and do you know who you're going to be facing yet? I do not know who I'll be facing yet. Whoever it is, I feel bad for them. I do, too. Awesome, man. Well, I'll tell you what. We appreciate it. You've been awesome, and thank you for taking time on your show to join us, and we'll definitely have you on again with some of your uh, up-and-coming talents. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. Thanks, buddy. Larry oh, Jones, boy. ladies and gentlemen, the big man on campus, Larry Jones. All right. Hey, guys, that was a great interview, wasn't it? Yes. Guys, are you there? Yes, it was. No, I, yeah, uh, no, I'm here. I, I don't know. I was waiting for Granny to answer first. Yeah, no, it, it oh, really I'm here. Was. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. All right. Yeah, it was awesome. Calling in here shortly. He, he, he's a he's a pretty uh, pretty perplexing guy. I, it's very interesting. And uh, our next guest will be calling in here shortly. But you know, uh, did you uh, say hi to Buff for me this weekend, Granny? I did, and he was very understanding about, um, you know, not being able to be on the show. And I got to share something with you guys. Not only did Granny and family get her picture taken with Buff at the meet and greet before the show, uh, I actually got to ask to be get in the ring to get my picture, our picture with him. And they did not charge me for the picture. I mean, they were using Granny as like a marketing tool because I thought if Granny got in the ring, everybody else would get come get in line to get their picture with Buff. And he said, baby, I'm all hot and sweaty, so I'm just going to hold your hand. And he put his top hat on, on my head for the picture. I haven't had a chance to post pictures yet from this weekend, but... Um, very, very nice man. I We had a blast. And Arn Anderson, oh, my goodness. He wanted to know how Granny got her name. He thought my name was absolutely amazing. Very nice man. And I asked him, I said, can I give you a hug? And he said, well, you most certainly can. <laughs> he was so... Hey, so and think about it. this, guys. Think, uh, didn't mean to interrupt you, but uh, think about this, uh, Big Swing. Uh, the guy that started out with us from Overtime.News, he has actually worn that hat. And you know who I'm referring to? Yes, Dustin. Mm-hmm. Yep. He did. He did. So, yeah. Do you think it so, was the exact you know, same hat or similar? No, it's well, the exact I'm same sure. One. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was probably a different one back from what your friend probably wore, because I'm sure Buff had numerous top hats throughout the years. But but he was a very very nice guy, and Iron Anderson. He was absolutely amazing. You know, my son got his picture with him by himself, and then. My husband and I got our picture with Aaron Anderson by ourselves, and, you know, it, it was just an amazing weekend. Um, Granny had a little issue. I had to, I was, Is we had gotten into Hot Springs. Yes. yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, is it a is it a 540 area coach? Yeah, yes, it is. All right, then the second guest is on. Uh, I'm, like I said, I'm going to jump over to the Monday Night Football real quick, but I'll be listening, so call me if you need me, and they are on. Ladies and gentlemen, 
stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle. He is what you would call the big president of independent wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you our man that is coming to us live. He is Philip Stamper. Hey, Philip, how are you? Hey, everybody, this is Phil Stamper. I'm the president of wrestling. You're listening to Attitude Era Live with hosts The Icon, The Big Swing, and Granny Hulkster. How's everybody doing? And are you trusting it, Phil? Well, I'll tell you what, we are doing awesome. And, uh, you know, I was auditioning for uh, your your company. If you need a ring announcer, what do you think? Uh, I'll have to to consider it. I'll have to take it under advisement. Awesome. So uh, we have uh, Phil Stamper with us. He's going to put a stamp on this interview here. we got 27 Uh, minutes here left. Before we... uh, before we go ahead and uh, get into the interview, if you want to give us a little background about yourself, then we'll talk to you. Well, I am going to quickly say, I heard, so you had Larry Dion right before me? You don't have heat with him, do you? Uh, I'm just saying, you know, maybe I might have taken the heavyweight title from him a couple weeks ago from Wrestling Revolver. But, you know, Killer Cross is now the champion. So I'm just saying, I think we've had a progression and now, the heavyweight championship of revolvers on its first real heavyweight champion. And the thing is, I, I knew that I just wanted you to say it for our listeners, but I knew that that's why I did not have you guys on at the same time. You know, I would be fine with it, but Larry D might have an issue. <laughs> that might've made an interesting listening. interview guys. That might've been <laughs> interesting to have them both on at the same time. Well, he he's still listening, so he can call back at any time, but so uh, if you want to give us a little background about yourself, then we'll uh, we got some uh, hard hitting questions we want to ask you. Okay, uh, so I have been involved with the world of wrestling for way too long, uh, for over twenty years. Um, I actually started working in the back, um, ended up working to get trained, uh, wrestled for a very long time, and then two years ago uh, had neck surgery. So I have. Um, a metal plate and six screws. Uh, they've removed my C5, C6, and C7 discs. Um, so now I have one gigantic fused vertebrae in my neck. Uh, so I don't, I don't actively participate inside the ring as much anymore. Uh, so as I was kind of going in that direction, um, I returned a little bit more to uh, stepping up in the back and taking more responsibility and authority at the promotions I worked with. So. Right now, I am the uh, co-owner, promoter of Wrestling Revolver. I'm the general manager for MCW Pro Wrestling and IWA East Coast. Um, And I'm involved in a handful of other promotions um, around the country and have overall worked for companies in six different countries. You know, and this is not a smart-ass question by any means, but, you know, you mentioned with – all the screws and stuff you have in your back. Do you have issues going through metal detectors at the airport? No, actually, and I expected that. Um, I have never once been stopped. Uh, I have seen it pop up on the x-ray. I've seen it pop up on that, whatever that other machine is, too, and they've never even asked me about it. Um, randomly enough, this uh, two weeks ago, ago, I flew to Iowa for Wrestling Revolver, and they detected something in my ankle, the only probably part joint I have that doesn't have any metal in it. And they had to pat down my ankle. They didn't find anything. Um, I mean, I also have – I also had torn my MCL, LCL, 
uh, ACL and lateral meniscus in my right knee. So I also have metal all through there too. And that doesn't set it off either. That's interesting. Now, how long has uh, Revolver been in existence? Um, So we celebrated our third year anniversary this past spring. So we're about three and a half years in. Um, We've wrestled uh, or had events throughout uh, Iowa, Ohio, Florida, Texas, New York, Louisiana. Um, We'll be back in Florida this year during WrestleMania weekend in Tampa. And with that being said, do you guys usually have shows once a weekend, a couple times a week, every other week, once a month, a couple times a month, uh, every other month? How often do you guys run your shows? It has varied a little bit. We've we've kind of been sticking to an every other month pattern, um, but then there's been times where just by circumstance and venue availability, we've gone as soon as a month and month back to back. So it, it has fluctuated a little bit. And if you look at the caliber of talent that we have, most of them are actively on Impact and MLW. So you know to try to coordinate TV shoot schedules and us so we can have everybody. Um, that in itself has also provided a, lo- a new logistical challenge that I hadn't had to go through before. Um, it's fun. It's like a giant puzzle piece sometimes to put it all together, but it, it gets done. So that sometimes causes us not to run as regularly as we would like. Phil Sanders, our guest here. we got 23 minutes here with Phil. I'm going to ask you a few more questions, and we'll kind of go around the room here. So – with Revolver, and it sounds like an interesting promotion, how many different wrestlers do you have on your roster? And do you uh, have female wrestling too? Um, the exact number, man, I'd have to, I'd, I'd really have to like sort of sit here and have to think about it. Um, the, and we also do float too. We, when we first opened up our doors to Revolver, um, we wanted to very much say, state very clearly even though it's called Wrestling Revolver, you can even see on one of our, our T-shirts that are that are available, they have revolvers have on them. Revolvers on them. But it was really set up that it was a ro- revolving door uh, because we wanted to showcase some of the best talents in the world. Um, so we have Sammy Callahan and Oakley Callahan, Killer Cross, Jessica Havoc, Nevaeh, Tessa Blanchard, um, the Rascals, uh, Crash Jackson and Christian Cobain, um, Logan James and Tyler Matrix, Ace Austin, um, Larry D, uh, uh, Matt Palmer. Uh, this kind of this ongoing list that Shane Strickland was a regular until he was signed. Uh, um, Trevor Lee was a regular until he was signed. Uh, and that's been, again, it's been a very interesting experience to see the progression of everybody because when we very first started, not many people knew yet who Zachary Wentz and Trey Miguel and, and Desmond Xavier were. And now they're some of the hottest talents in the wrestling world. Um, so we've, we've maintained that. Um, and even from some, my answer I gave you, yes, we also do have women's wrestling. We also have intergender wrestling. Um, actually, at our next event on November 15th in Dayton, it's going to be Killer Cross versus Jessica Havoc. Jessica Havoc won the Catalina Wrestling Mixer, and this year it was an intergender tournament. So she then won the right to fight for the heavyweight championship. Killer Cross won the heavyweight championship this past, uh, our, at our past event against Killer Cross, or excuse me, Killer Cross, 
Larry D and Madman Fulton cross-wins the championship. So now, on November 15th, it'll be Jessica Havoc versus Kittle Frost. Awesome. And uh, if the, the icon can ever get to one of your shows, do you think you can get him a pass to get on? Get in? We'll see what I can do. Awesome. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, we have uh, Phil Stamper on. we got 20 minutes here left. Uh, Granny, what do you got for our guest? Well, I've been just enjoying listening to this interview. I, I am Granny Holkster. I'm not a wrestler. I'm just a big fan of this wonderful sport we call wrestling. And I've had my gimmick name for probably about 20 years because, or 20 plus years, because I just I love the sport. Um, what was your, when you actually wrestled for the short time that you did, what was your most challenging match you were a part of, or most memorable match, I guess I could say? Um, that is a very good question. Um, <coughs> one of the most memorable ones I had, just because it was, it was honestly, it was, it was punishing, but it was fun. I had a weapons match with a friend of mine named um, Court Montgomery, who's out of North Carolina. Um, we were at a company in North Carolina, and, and it was a weapons match. Um, I mean, I, I remember, I think I might have slightly concussed him with a, with a shot with a stop sign. Um, he super flexed me to the uh, I, I got choked out by a news. Um, all sorts of fun shenanigans that happened inside of wrestling all happened in that one match. Um, uh, I mean, I also had a two-ring steel cage money in the piggy bank ladder match. Um and that in itself was, was ridiculously memorable, um, not just because I won it uh, and had to, and carried around a pink pink pinata for a year, uh, but it it was just a fun, different match that I had never been in before and that many people had never seen before. Awesome. You didn't do a pinata awesome. on a pole match, did you? No, it actually hung on the top of the cage, and so it was we were inside a two ring steel cage. And you had to get the ladder to climb up to get the pig down. So, were you working with Vince Russo? <laughs> you know how many times I've been asked that question? No, I have. I, no, I was not. Um, I, it was. It was a little goofy at times, but hey, that's life. That's awesome. Uh, we have Phil Stamper here. We got 17 minutes left here. Uh, uh, big swing, if you're there, when you got to our guests, you know, we'll circle back to me, and I'm going to ask the hard-hitting question. Well, you always ask the hard-hitting questions. We knew that. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I guess uh, sort of similar to the same thing uh, I asked Mr. D is, is you know, take us through a little bit of your, um, your, your background. I mean, how did you get into this? I mean, I know a lot of people grow up watching wrestling, but very few actually get involved in it. Uh, did you have any, you know, idols growing up, anybody you wanted to be like, any, any particular moment where you looked at it and said, you know, that's what I want to do, I want to be a wrestler, so-and-so? I mean, sort of take us through your journey. So I knew very early um, I wanted to be involved with wrestling. I mean, I was a kid and was a fan, and I, I was that, that guy that wrote to WWE and WCW at the time saying, hey, why aren't there kids in wrestling? Um, and actually got a letter back from WCW at the time saying, you know, you have to get trained. There are training centers. Most places don't take you until you're 18. Um, so I knew when I was like 12, oh, I have to go get trained. Um, when I graduated, so 
to put it a little bit more in context, when I was in fifth grade, I was five foot three and was the tallest boy in my class. By the time I was in maybe ninth grade, I was five foot six and I haven't gotten any taller. Um, when I graduated high school, I made the decision um, I need to go to college. Even if I go down the wrestling path, I'm, you know, I need a backup. What happens? If, what's funny is I used to say, yeah, what happens if I break my neck? And, um, and so I uh, paid for college when I was working at Stage Um And then, oddly enough, uh, I was misdiagnosed with a cancerous condition, so I did not have um, and I had this moment in my brain, my last semester of college, and, well, it's now or never. So I went and got training. Um, what's what funny is I don't regret going to get training. I, should it, I regret going where I went because I realized later, wow, there were so many better places that were out there, and I could have learned a whole bunch of stuff faster um, and, and, and from better people. And I ended up going to a lot of seminars, so um, I took it in because I was a fan, but I was knowledgeable at a very young age. You had to be trained. You had to find somebody. That's awesome. Uh, we have uh, Mr. Stamper here as our guest here. we got 15 minutes here left with uh, Philip. Now, uh, we'll kinda, uh, I'm going to kind of go and ask you the hard-hitting questions here, uh, and then uh, we'll uh, we'll ask you some ego questions. So, well, actually, I'll do the ego questions first, and I'll ask you the hard-hitting questions. Uh, first mm-hmm. off, uh, if I were to uh, send you an address, do you think you might be willing to send us uh, a few uh, autographs for uh, – giveaways for our big December or Christmas show we got coming up? I'd be able to arrange something like that. Cool. And then uh, the Icon made you a cool collector's card. What was your thought on that? You made me like a uh, cool what was that? I missed I miss what you said. Uh, I made you a cool collector's card. I sent you on Facebook Messenger. What do you think of that? I did like that. I did. It was good. Awesome. So, uh, I ask all guys this, and since you're kind of a promoter, it's kind of a different, it's kind of a different thing. We know that you can't wrestle anymore, but let's say that limited a WWE official. Well, let's say that a WWE official uh, is at one of your shows, or an agent is at your shows, and they see how you're promoting it, and they see all the stuff that you got going on, and they call you up and say, "Hey, we want you to come be a booker for us. We want you to come work on our." Our staff, we want you to be a writer for us. And they offer you that million-dollar contract. Two-part question. One, is that something that you want to do? And two, if you do get that, that big step, because we know that you guys are trying to do it, would you not big time with some still be our friend and talk to? <laughs> so, uh, one, yes, I'd be very interested. And two, yes, I would still talk to you. Well, you know, I'll tell you what. Not only did you not answer it the same way everybody else did, but you answered it quicker than anybody else, too. <laughs> I mean, would A, would anybody turn down a million dollars um, or the opportunity to work for the WWE for the million dollars? Um, so, I, I mean, I, I, I'll i be honest. I've applied for a creative position for the WWE before. Um, in, I would say about 10 years ago, I actually, I submitted a resume. I knew somebody on creative at that time, and he actually said, Phil, write a sample resume or a sample script up and so i did i sent it on i actually heard back from my friend i heard back from 
Kevin Sullivan, not the wrestler Kevin Sullivan, but the television producer Kevin Kevin Sullivan, um, who recently was working for Impact and now is working with AEW. Um, and all of them said the same exact language by your time, um, which was then which then freaked me out because I was working for a company at the time called Pro Wrestling Unplugged that ran out of Philadelphia, and that promoter came to me at the next show and said, "Oh, I heard you applied for a creative position." Filled just by your time, and I was like, one, I I don't know how he ever knew that I had applied for a creative position, and then when he used that exact language, I I got really excited for about half a minute about like, oh wow, wow, they must re- really be talking about me. No one was talking about me. I never got heard back from them again. Um, I I tried reaching out to my friend again, uh, and was told, um, you know, give it another six months and send in another sample. And so I did. Um, maybe it was a little longer ago than ten years because I think I, the second sample was for uh, ECW at the time. Um, and I wrote like a month of ECW because if you think about it, one episode of Raw is three hours. Four episodes of ECW at that time, and they were only one hour. But four hours. So I was like, it's just as almost easy to write a four-hour program. So um, laid it out, scripted out, and I sent it in, and he goes. It was really good, but you did just a little too much fan service, and and we need you to back off of that. So don't you know? Don't send anything else right away. Give it a, about a year, and then do it again. So I did it again, and I haven't heard another word. Well, I think that's terrible, but uh, I we know that there there is uh, a few WWE writers that listen to this show because every time we talk and complain about. The the product nowadays, they always change it because they always predict what they're doing. So they're all, they're always changing it because they're always talking about that stuff for another time. So right. to kind of get you get you uh, get you out there to help you out here, uh, if our fans wanted to check you out and follow you and see what you got going on, you got a Facebook, you got an Instagram, you got a YouTube, you got a Twitter, you got a Twitch, you got a GoFundMe. <laughs> what do you got? You can check me out on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, uh, and Snapchat at PSPHENOM, that's P-S-P-H-E-N-O-M, and on Facebook at Desk of Phil Stamford. And, see, I have it together. You know, you I just roll with it. <laughs> and, you know, you mentioned, you know, uh, being a promoter and an owner. What kind of promoting style do you have? Uh, are you like a Vince McMahon that kind of runs everything? Are you a triple H that needs to hog the spotlight to get back in there? Are you an Eric Bischoff who is the the smarter of the business? Or are you like a Paul Heyman who uh, tries to steal talent uh, to enhance his product? What kind of promoter would you call your – what kind of promoter would you say you are? What's funny, before you gave the examples, my brain went, I think I'm a little more Eric Bischoff. Um, but I want to say I'm probably a little Eric Bischoff with a cross of Paul Heyman. Um, I'm probably more on, on that element because I want, I want the best talent. I want to see great matches, but I don't want to see people who have already fully given what they think is the best. I want to see people who have the potential to grow further. Um, you know, I mentioned Revolver and some of the people who, who now people who know who they are. Um, and since I mentioned the wrestlers before, I'll talk about Ace Austin. When, when, he started with Revolver when we got going. He was still a relatively young guy. I mean, he's still a relatively young guy now, but, you know, he was even younger three and a half years ago. 
and and not many people knew who he was. Now he has a television contract. He's on Impact. He's, he's in a major storyline right now with Eddie Edwards. Um, he's he's traveled internationally. Definitely a known, recognizable figure now in the world of wrestling. And we had him from the start. And and to me, that says a lot about what we recognize that kind of talent and potential, and that there were opportunities for him to grow and continue to get better. Um, MCW does the same thing. We have not only do we have our own school, we're also an official feeder school for Ring of Honor. So Ring of Honor no longer offers entry level um, training courses. They have what they call like a finishing school. So um, you are either invited by contract or you are allowed to attend. Um, many of our students that from MCW have graduated into Future of Honor, which is their official developmental program and are under contract there. Um, so it's very cool to see the students that grew up through the MCW system who've now gone on to Ring of Honor and are picking up and learning even more through the great minds that are there, people like John, uh, Jonathan Gresham and Joey Mercury, and to really like see how they're just continuing to work. And Will Ferrar. Should not forget Will Ferrar. <laughs> and one thing that we want to do for you, if you ever start running radio spots or if you want to uh, – Start promoting your your school and your you know your shows. What we'll do is uh, you know we would uh, love to give you advertising on our show. Uh, you know we'll 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 do some trade outs. You know to start with we call it audio for autographs. You know you know we give you a commercial on our show. You give us autographs. It, it's it's a great little deal. Doesn't cost you anything. Doesn't cost anything. It's a great deal. And you know we'd love to uh, we'd love to work with you on that and get you get you going on that. Now, so we can uh, see you. Uh, when is you when is your next show? Where is it at? What day? What time? What arena? And uh, are tickets available? And how many tickets do you plan on selling for a set event? Sure. So this Saturday um, in Nitro, West Virginia, yes, that's the real name of the town, just near Charleston, um, IWA East Coast is going to the Kingsway Outreach Center. Um, again, that's in Nitro, West Virginia. Um, bell time, I want to say, is 7.30. Um, tickets start at $10. Uh, tickets are available at the door. You can also purchase them in advance if you go to our Facebook page. Um Everything is active there, and that'll link you to everything. Just because I'm having a moment because we switched pages, so I'm like, I can't. I don't want to say the wrong thing. Um, I think it's actually it's ecwid.com is our ticket page. Um, so you can check that out for IWA East Coast again. That's um, ecwid.com is our ticket page. Then the weekend. Uh, after actually, I'm off the weekend after, which is like I don't know what to do with myself yet. I've been I'm I'm a little like running into walls already that I don't have something for the weekend of the 26th. And then um, MCW has four events in the first of November um, in Culpeper, Virginia, Joppa, Maryland, Hollywood, Maryland, and then Manchester, Manchester, Maryland. So we will be running all around um, MCWProWrestling.com. Uh, all of our bell times through that through the month of November are at um, seven o'clock, except for the Hollywood one, which is seven thirty. Um, so we have very active month that's going to be happening with MCW. Uh, Revolver also returns November fifteenth, 
Um, so very excited to see that uh, that come to uh, Dayton, Ohio at the bright side. Um, that'll be our second time there. Our first time was amazing, and we're going to blow it out, uh, out, out, out the roof this coming time. We sold out last time. Um, so don't miss your opportunity to get your tickets now. Like I said, we've already announced Killer Cross versus Jessica Havoc for the Revolver Heavyweight Championship, so that's going to be amazing. Um, MCW is going to have uh, – we've had a, an, uh, some odd experiences over the last couple of months um, just with the timing of things. You know, wrestling is getting very crowded all of a sudden. Um, you know, we, we're definitely the, the biggest company in Maryland, and that's not to toot or run horn, but we just are. Um, we're just outside of Baltimore, Maryland, and AEW is coming for uh, their pay-per-view weekend, and we had already scheduled an event, but we, we're, we're, we're friends with everybody in wrestling, so we're, we're not looking at AEW as competition. They're, they have the better product right now. They have the production. We're working with them on some things behind the scenes, um, so we've changed some of our event dates to make sure that we're not colliding. We recently had a, a Legends Festival, and we actually didn't um, bring in some extra folks because they were going to be there for StarCast. So it's like, we, you know, let's not compete with each other. How can we supplement each other and work with each other? So we've been looking at some opportunities for um, Thursday, November 7th. Um, we will be the kickoff event to StarCast weekend. Um, that's already been out there in public. So mcwprowrestling.com, Thursday, November 7th will be the first event for StarCast weekend. And could you see people from All Elite Wrestling? Dot, dot, dot. Um, I can't say anything more than that right now until you see a graphic from us. Um, but a lot of things are going to come very, very fast and sudden. Um, we start off with MCW on November 2nd in Culpeper, Virginia, November 7th in Joppa, Maryland, November 9th in Hollywood, Maryland, and then November 23rd in Manchester. That's awesome. And uh, what... Uh... You know, I'll ask you this. I don't know if you can do it, but you think maybe you can hook us up with some of your your talent that can be on our podcast with us? Very possible. We can have a conversation. All right. Well, what I'll do is I'll uh, write to you later on this week, and then we can chat about it. But we do appreciate you taking time on your schedule. You have been so awesome, and we appreciate you being on with us, and we would like to have you uh, on again if we didn't scare you away too much. No, not too much. I'm good. <laughs> That's awesome. The, the zombie in the closet is, is, is backing off with the shotgun, so we're fine. We're fine. Awesome. Philip Stamper, ladies and gentlemen, the man, the myth, soon to be a legend in the independent wrestling scene, and he's going to take everything all the way to the top. We thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you all. Awesome. That was Phil Stamper, ladies and gentlemen. So we're waiting for our next guest here. Should be calling in shortly. Uh, Robbie V, son of the legendary Bobby V. Uh, I can, you know, I've been uh, waiting to talk to. You know, I cannot wait for this interview. I, I mean, I know I've said that before. I know our listeners have heard me say that many, many times. But you know, with Bobby V being from my hometown, uh, sneaking into the same movie theater that I used to, uh, or I still do. Uh, it's going to be interesting to talk to him. So uh, he'll be calling in shortly, and uh, well, we'll be going a, in. Uh, is it a three two zero area code, or the same as you? Uh, no, three two zero. Okay, well they're on now then. All right, ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the 
green room and walking down the aisle. The son <laughs> of a rock and roll legend, and he is a rock and roll legend himself. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Robbie V. Hey, Robbie, how hey, are you? Hey, this is Robbie V. How you doing? You're listening to the Attitude Era Live with host the icon, the big swing, and Granny Holster. Did I get that right? You yes, got Granny it, Holster, you how sure did. Awesome. <laughs> what an introduction. Uh, uh, thank you for, thank you for uh, canceling your, uh, your show tonight to be on our show. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll kind of get right into the interview here. We got Robbie V here. We got, uh, oh, we got about uh, 40 minutes here with uh, Robbie. So we'll, uh, I'm going to ask you a few questions and we'll kind of do a round table and kind of go around the, the room here. Uh, you know, as mentioned, uh, you do have, uh, 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 you had a pretty famous father. Is that correct? I had a, uh, a father from Fargo, North Dakota. How do you like that? Not only from Fargo, North Dakota, but also a rough rider, and he's in he's in your uh, your capital there in, in Bismarck, a painting of him on the wall. So yeah, he he's a, he is a he's a rocker, and he's a North Dakota a North Dakota legend. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, he had a, he had a few boys. Of course, you're you know not taking anything away from uh, the other boys, but uh, you are uh, the number one son of his, correct? I am the number one son of his, and I'm also his junior. So I got his name too. There you go. So you were, you were not you were you were first born, correct? I'm actually I was the last. I was the last of the boys, and then I have a sister who's five years younger than me. So somehow he saved his name for the uh, for the last of the boys, not knowing if he's going to have probably another one. Who knows? But yeah, I'm I'm sure we're all we were all equal in his size. But I like to think that he I was his favorite. Of course, why not? And uh, and how many total brothers and sisters? So I've got uh, it's kind of like a family. I'm 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 in the younger the younger generation of them, but there's two older brothers, and then there's a younger sister, and um, I'm kind of right there in the in the second from the youngest. Awesome. And uh, uh, we're gonna ask you a few questions. I just if I if, if you can indulge me just a little bit. This because this is your time. It's not my time, but I just want to indulge you. I just want to share you a quick story about uh, your dad that I have. Um, yeah. The first time, the first time I saw your father, uh, he was performing. Uh, it was a tribute show to Buddy Holly. He was uh, in Fargo here at the Fargo Theater with the Crickets. He was yeah. uh, the Crickets were on, and then he was on. And uh, they asked a they asked two boys uh, from the audience yep. to uh, you know. A, if we had ever heard of Bobby V, of course, I can't remember the other the other kid, but he asked me questions about your dad, and I knew every one of them. Not that I'm bragging or anything, but he said, "How would you like to meet him?" I said, "I I would love to meet him." My high squeaky voice. I said that, and then the next thing you know, here comes your dad. He's right behind me. I looked up, and there's Bobby V, and uh, and he signed my he signed my shirt. Uh, that was actually the first autograph I ever got was your dad. And, uh, he said, now you answered all those questions, but I want to know what is your favorite song of mine? And I said, rubber ball, I'll come bouncing back to you. And that's the first song he played. Oh my goodness. (laughs) That is awesome. That sounds like my dad, by the way, he just was just a magical guy. Miss him dearly. And he was something that's for sure. Yeah, and we we miss him here too. And uh, I also remember the story he he talked about all his boys, and the one thing that was always funny he's 
that he said that stuck in my mind. He said, uh, well, here's, here's my sons. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you what, it's always a joy when the drummer leaves the house. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is the drummer was the one that, that stayed in at, the, at home the longest out of all of his kids. He, he moved out the last. So <laughs> that's probably okay, why. So, uh, now we'll go ahead and, uh, get, we'll go ahead and get into the interview. So, uh, was it uh, was it your father that taught you how to play guitar, or uh, did you did you learn on your own, or did you have to take classes, or who taught you how to uh, be the musician that you are? Well, I appreciate that question. Um, <clears throat> so I, you know, I was the guy that sat in his room and and with a record player, and you know, put the needle on and picked the needle up and put the needle on and picked it up. Back in the days when you learned, you know, songs uh, from vinyl records. And um, I, um, my dad definitely was the guy that, that influenced me because he would come in my room at night and sit there and we'd play music together. And I'd watch how he played, and, and he would show me things. And he probably was my first um, inspiration to want to play guitar. Um, and I definitely learned my, my finger-picking and my natural side is from him, um, from all those early moments of influence. And, and then, of course, you know, being on tour with him, I got to tour with Bo Diddley and Carl Perkins and – all these amazing guitar players that just being backstage and watching them play and studying them do their show, you pick up things and, and attitudes and, and, and kind of a respect for the instrument. And that's, that, that truly is how I learned about rock and roll and how to play my instrument was being the observer in the wings of all those shows that my dad would do with those, those package shows, the crickets being one. Yeah. A lot of them, a lot of great and, players. Uh, and your your father's band used to be uh, was known as the Shadows, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, when did uh, you uh, you and your brothers uh, join him in, in his band? I believe uh, your band is called the Bees, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so that the Bees. You know, if you go back to my dad had a band. I mean, Shadows were, were his first band, and through the years he had some great talent. Uh, you know, the Great Plains Band, out of Fargo. Um, and he had great, great musicians over the years. And then when we became a little bit older, all of us at different times in our careers, you know, young, we would go on stage with him and he would showcase us. And I, I would go to Europe with him for three months at a time, four months at a time, just playing guitar with him and, and uh, the two of us. And, um, and then it became a point where we kind of fell into formation. The, the brothers, um, myself and the brothers, we kind of, we always from an early age had a core music thing that we always played. And it's, we grew up in Los Angeles. It started with cousins out there that were incredibly talented. Uh, uh, one of them was saying in the, the play Evita, you know, at the time in Los Angeles, and just these really talented people, uh, relatives. And so we, we kind of grew up and people would come and come and go, but the core was always together being creative. And then at one point we toured with my dad and we became the backup band. And that was probably, sometime when I was out of high school, you know, um, even later than that, it was probably in the nineties or something, but we became the backup band and, and not only backup band to him, but all the artists that were on the package shows, we, he would, they would use us as the backup band. So it was a great experience. Kind of got our, you know, really, really got the opportunity to play with a lot of amazing artists. Uh, we got uh, Robbie V as our guest here. We got 34 minutes here with Robbie. If uh, he can stand all the questions, uh, we're going to, we'll kind of go around the room here and then we'll kind of circle back. Uh, Granny Hawkster got Robbie V here. What do you got? 
Well, first of all, I think you have an amazing voice. I loved your oh, voice. Thank you. And thank you. you know, I'm 50, I'm I'm 57 years old, so I remember your dad back in the day. I loved his music. I was kind of doing some research on you earlier today, and you have been like on the stages with many talented people. But what was it like to be on the same stage with the Righteous Brothers? Because I am a huge Righteous Brother fan. Now I never got to meet Bobby, but I my well before my husband and I got married, we got to see. Bill Medley with Paul Revere and the Raiders and Branson, Missouri at the Dick Clark Theater. Yep. And, um, sure. you know, we, and at the time, Darren, his son Darren was with Paul Revere and the Raiders. And then his daughter McKenna came out and they did some songs together. But when I got to meet Bill Medley, um, well, I said we were dating at the time, and David told Bill Medley that. I always loved to do Unchained Melody because that was my favorite song to do at karaoke. And he put his arm around me and hugged me. He said, well, darling, you probably do it better than I did. I said, well, thank you for the compliment, Bill. But there was only one set of Righteous Brothers, and that was you and Bobby. And, you know, he signed my picture to Lori, happy birthday, love, Bill Medley. And I tell you, so what was it like to be on the stage with somebody like the Righteous Brothers? I mean, you know, I I grew up with um... – their music, you know, much like you, much like you, you know, listen to those records and, and like the Everly Brothers, listen, listening to those records and studying mm-hmm. them, and and mm-hmm. the, the Righteous Brothers was like similar to the Everly Brothers, right? I just couldn't believe, oh yeah, that you know, that that it was them, and um, you know, Bobby Hatfield, you know, singing those high parts and Bill Medley with that rich voice, and it just sounding exactly like the records, and just being in their presence and, and watching them perform like that it leaves something with you. You know, there's a spirit that goes with you. And uh, much like a lot, a lot of the artists growing up, these, these pioneers of rock and roll, these architects that I got to experience, you know, just being feet away from them um, and kind of experiencing the music, you know, right there in the moment. Um, it just sticks with you. And you know, you don't ever forget it. You know, whether it's the Shirelles. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Singing Soldier I Boy mean, and you're backstage in the wings and hearing those mm-hmm. parts. It just stays with you, you know. Well, I know when he was singing Unchained Melody, they were showing like video clips of him and Bobby, and I was just sitting there singing yeah. the song right along, and tears were just scrolling down my face. And David asked me, "Baby, are you okay?" I said, "I'm fine." <laughs> it was just—it was so amazing. It was just like I said, and like the, the Everly Brothers. I mean, I was looking at the list of talents, you know, that you were on the same stage with, and that—that's got to be so amazing. I mean, Carl Perkins. I mean. You know, rockabilly music. I mean, you know, just it, it, it's got to be amazing to to be a part of such great talent with so many different people. I mean, yeah, I feel like I grew up in the circus, you know, and it's like, you know, I I, I know that the smell of the circus, I know what the dirt looks like, I know what the acts, you know, I, I know everything about it. Um, I, I I know the stripes on the tent. I mean, I just grew up being so familiar with the business because mm-hmm. of my upbringing and the, um, the artist it was so much a part of my, my uh, environment that as I get older and, and I look back, I probably think more about it than when I was in it. I just was so involved in the moment of being around such great talent and um, oh, yeah. it's something. Well, I love your music. I mean, I love your music. I loved your dad's music. I mean, I just, you know, 
Uh, it, it's just amazing. So I, I'm very, I, I'm really enjoying getting to speak with you, getting to be a part of this interview. You know, because um, I do love, good, I do love good music, and uh, you know, it's just, it's so, it's so relaxing sometimes just to listen to some really good music. So. Well, as my dad would say, everybody has a soundtrack to their life, you know, and. Uh, it sounds like the Righteous Brothers were a part of your soundtrack. That's that's wonderful. Oh yeah, oh yeah, most definitely. You know what I got, Icon. And a lot of people don't know. Then we'll go to Big Swing. A lot of people don't know that uh, your your father actually had a guy by the name of uh, Bob Dylan in his band, but was not known as Bob Dylan at that time. Yes, that and that's a Fargo story. Speaking of Fargo, that's that's um from the Fargo days of the shadows. And um, I'll give you a little bit of the story. So they, they ran into, into him, him in a record store in Fargo. And he told, told my dad that he you know, just got off the road with Conway Twitty. And uh, my dad was looking for a piano player and, and they hired him pretty much on the spot. And he came out and did a, a run of dates with them. And he went by the name of Elston Gunn with three N's. That was his name at the time. And, uh, there's kind of a <clears throat> so many nice things that he said about my father in that book, the Chronicles, around that time period. And um, but yeah, that is a Fargo story. And uh, and of course, it didn't ultimately work out for for reasons. Um, one, my dad didn't feel like he had the money to pay another guy. And back then, you know, you couldn't really travel with a piano, and most of the pianos were out of tune. And so there's more to the story than just hiring him. But but yeah, that that's Elston Gunn. Uh. Well, we got uh, Robbie V here. We got about uh, 27 minutes here left. Uh, Big Swing, if you're there, what do you got for our guest here, Robbie V? Well, I mean, um, you know, I don't know as much clearly about him, uh, you know, as you guys do, um, or about you know music style and all that. But I mean, I guess just being a musician and following music, uh, do you do you think music today? Um, like, is there anybody out there that you still listen to and you jam out to, or do you think that music today is just not what it used to be? Boy, um, yeah. I mean, I was thinking about that actually today. I think it's all a like cash grab today. I think people are just making songs to make them, and not there's no real substance or story or emotion behind a lot of them. I think you know. I mean, it's hard to really. I mean, music is so subjective and so personal that um, it's hard for me to, to be too too critical. But I will say that there's things that I like and things I don't care for that I hear. I, my question of the music today is, where's the rock and roll? It just seems like the rock and roll is, is slowly, you know, going away. It's, um, I don't hear it as much in anything. But because <clears throat> I'm such a purist and, and I'm into roots rock and roll, I'm into all the, the aspects of rock and roll. It's, it's hard for me to find those hardest for me to find those pieces harder than I ever, ever in my, you know, listening experience of pop music or rock or whatever's on the radio. And, uh, but there's stuff out there, you know, that I do like, you, you got to dig. It's not the stuff on the radio. It's just stuff on the, you dig through the internet and you find stuff. And I've got a, a daughter that loves music and she, she finds stuff and introduces it to me. And, um, and so I do have, I, I, I do think there's great music out there. It's just not, you know, it's just not the stuff on the radio sometimes, you know? Ooh. You got to dig for it. 
Now, uh, there is uh, currently, uh, and I, I saw him here at the Fargo Theater, of all places. You know, your father had mentioned that when he was a kid, you know, he used to sneak in to the Fargo Theater through the exit door, uh, which I thought was kind yeah. of funny. And then I tried it, and I still do it. Well, I just, got, I just, I, I think I just buried myself by saying that. But uh, uh, now there is uh, currently a tribute show going on for your father with uh, your brothers and sisters and nieces and nephews and his or his nieces and nephews and your cousins stuff. Is that correct? Well, I don't, I don't think my sister was involved in it, but um, I think it was probably a show that my two older brothers put on, and um, I didn't I don't really know much about it. I heard, but I, I did hear a little bit about it. Um, it was definitely not my sister or me, um, but it was probably my two older brothers and, and their kids, maybe. Oh, so you're not involved in it? No, I, I don't really do much with with the older siblings. I don't do any music with them per se um i did to a point like i said we had the v's and we started out as the v's and and there was a point i feel like i got the best years of that organization it was you know my dad was selling out shows everywhere and we were opening up the shows and backing up the artists and then there became a point where um where it was the organization kind of shifted and i, I didn't feel like there was a a great opportunity for me to grow um as an artist or creatively and and, and I kind of went off on my own at that point and kind of wanted to hang in my own balance of life and, and, and um, either, you know, sink or swim kind of, kind of thing, being my own balance, my own space and, um, and, and see if I couldn't make my own thing happen for myself and, and nurture my own creativity. And, and I really haven't worked with them since then in any capacity. Um, I never really looked back. I just kept going, putting out records and touring and, uh, so we haven't really done anything uh, creatively or in any kind of music business sense, probably in, in just years, tons of years, long time. Well, you know, and you know, it's kind of cool how you you mentioned that. Now, uh, what uh, what what is your tour schedule like these days? So I'm, you know, for me, I'm kind of on the backside of my summer schedule. So I, I kind of go out and do one nighters here and there. I've got you know in the area. I'm doing Dickinson Fest on November 29th, uh, Valley City, December 7th. Um, uh, Northwood, I'm back in the year in, in Northwood, North Dakota in July, July 25th. And uh, I'm in Walker, Minnesota this weekend, 1819 at the casino up there. So I, I get to the area kind of one-nighters here and there into the Midwest, and, and, um, and through the winter I'll do that. But then I you know, pick up more of a touring schedule in, in the uh, early spring. That's awesome. And, you know, I'm going to ask you this question, uh, you know, because we, we all, uh, you know, and I, I, I hate to keep repeating it, but it's true. Your father was very special to me because, you know, with, uh, you know, we've had Sherwin Linton on here. And I, I remember when I was uh, in Tennessee and I wouldn't go to sleep unless I got to listen to Three Bears. Then uh, as my <laughs> father let me listen to his 45s, I came across your father and his two favorite songs that he sang, and I'm going to ask you for yours, but mine will always be Rubber Ball, you know, the bouncy, 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 yeah. I can't do it. And uh, Take Good Care <laughs> of My Baby were always my two favorites. How about yours? Well, first of all, Sherwin Litton is my good buddy, and I always love hearing about him. Um, he's just a stand-up guy that's part of the – 
legendary fabric of Midwest music, and uh, I adore that guy. And, and of course, his wife, Pam. <clears throat> but me, uh, Bobby B's songs, I would say, um, you know, I could, I could maybe name three that, that I just totally love. Um, one would be a song called Run to Him, which was a top ten song. And then there was a song called Forever Kind of Love, which was charted in England, but it wasn't a big hit in the United States. And then Come Back When You Grow Up, Girl is just, I just think that's really a, a great song. So those are the ones that, that kind of stand out in my mind. And then I, I'm really into my dad's music to the point where I know, you know all the records and all the songs. And so I could go deep into the album cuts and, and tell you a, a billion more, but those are the ones that probably are the ones that people would, would uh, relate to. You know, it, you know, and it's funny, you know, you mentioned Run to Him. Uh, uh, I'll tell you another quick story about that night when I, when I got to see your dad, meet your dad for the first time. Uh, your mom, your grandmother, not your mom, your grandmother was uh, up in the upper balcony. And, uh, oh my goodness. She, and he, uh, he had mentioned something about, you know, your, 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 his mom, your grandmother. And, uh, she yells, Run to him! He's like, that's my mom, and that's—I guess—that's her favorite song too. Well, it, you know, it's—it's it's a ballad with the beat, as my dad would say. <clears throat> it was intended for the Evelyn Brothers. Uh, it was on the desk at the Brill Building, and in in the mailbox for the Evelyn Brothers. And my dad's producer kind of kind of grabbed it off the desk on the sly. And my dad recorded it, <clears throat> but the—and I think it went to number two on the charts. It would have gone to number one, but the Lion Sleeps Tonight was at number one at that time. And um, I just think it's really a great Bobby B song. His character, his personality and music, it really reflects it. Um, the kind of music that he was having hits with, it, it just, I think it's the, the great Bobby B song. And Dick Clark, his good friend Dick Clark, uh, went on record saying that he thinks it's one of the great songs of the 60s, period. So he had a fan in Dick Clark on that one as well. <clears throat> You know, of course, the interesting thing of Dick Clark that will always stick in my mind is the guy never aged. He always looked <laughs> the same no matter what year he was. You, you know, yeah. in, in a way, uh, you know, your dad was kind of the same way, and I'm not just saying it because you're on, but it seemed like every time I saw your dad, he always looked the same. They never he had a baby aged. Face. Yeah, yeah. 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 <clears throat> and, uh, we, yeah, yeah. True. Go ahead. I, I was with um, – I brought him – when he got sick with Alzheimer's, I kind of did a, you know, not a goodbye, but but just a a, a sentimental walk. Every every step became more precious, and I wanted to do things with him that would bring him back to his roots and his beginnings. And so, a couple, what two of the things I did that I wanted to do was I brought him to to hang out with Carol King, and uh, and the other thing was to hang out with Bob Dylan, and um, <clears throat> because those are two big pieces of his upbringing, and. Um, and Carol King, the first thing she said is that, oh, Bobby, you still got that baby face, you know, and she just, you, that was exactly what she said, you know, you, you look the same, you have that same baby face, and, um, yeah. And uh, if uh, if you could, you know, you don't have to give the, the full story, but, uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll come back to that. I want to, I want to continue uh you know, uh, talking about you, then if you don't mind, if we could circle back to dad, I, I know this is about, you know, this is an interview for you, but uh, I love when you share stories about your dad. Uh, sure. Now, uh, you know, 
I myself, uh, you know, I put out a, a comedy CD uh, a couple years back and went aluminum. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, pl- no, no plastic <clears throat> at all for this guy. But uh, you have a couple albums out, correct? I have nine records out. So you, you're talking about, you know, not playing with the uh, the brothers and all that. I put out nine, I think nine records since that day that I went out and hung in the balance of life. So I, I stay, I've been very productive, creative, and, and, and followed my dream, which was to be an artist that put out records and, and did my songs live and played on, you know, play, paid homage to my to my my father's legacy to some extent and the, the time, the era that I grew, love music, the rockabilly thing, uh, but also you know put out and sing my own songs. So I, I yeah, nine albums, just put out one this past year. And. Uh... You know, we uh, I kind of mentioned that a little bit. Hopefully, you might be able to send us a couple of those uh, for autographs for our big December giveaway show that we've got coming up. Uh, what uh, could you let us know what uh, some of your your songs are? Yeah, so I mean, um, in my show, I, you know, I kind of try to pinpoint, you know, a couple off of each record, and so and uh, some have become a staple in my show. Um, there's a song called The Whole World's Rockin' that I wrote with Wayne Carson. And Wayne Carson is, if you know that name, he wrote the letter for the box tops. And you're always on my mind for uh, Elvis Presley and um, Willie Nelson, among other artists he wrote for. But he, I had the good fortune early on in my career of hooking up with him as a co-writer. And we put together um, most of my records he co-wrote with me. And recently, uh, we put together a song, not too recent, but when my father got Alzheimer's we put together a song called Blue Moon Blues. And I called it the Blue Moon Blue Project. But when my dad got Alzheimer's, I, I got involved in, a, in a, this project with my dad originally. And then Wayne Carson and I and my dad wrote a song called Blue Moon Blues. And, um, and all the proceeds from that record go to um, the Alzheimer's Foundations um, that I help promote. And I'm a spokesperson for the Alzheimer's Foundation of America artists raising their voice for care. So I, I on stage I mentioned uh, uh the foundation alls A L Z F D N dot org and what they mean to myself and my experience around my father getting Alzheimer's and so yeah, uh and then who uh, the most recent record I I, I go with a, a writer um Andrew Hall from Las Vegas who's an incredible poet who put some of his poems poets poems to um the song. And uh, one of my favorites is a song called Buzz, which we've kind of been promoting. It's got a little bit of a Bo Diddley feel to it, among other things, of, of my influences. So quite a few songs out there uh, off those nine records. And we, we try to hit a lot of them during our live show. And uh, real quick here, if you could uh, go ahead and repeat that foundation. And are, are are people able to donate if they go to this website? Yeah, all all alzfdn.org, and you can donate right to that site, um, or you can you can contact me through my website robbyv.com, and um, I, um, you know, I get checks from time to time on the road, and I and I for the for my um, Blue Moon Blue project, and I just forward them on to my contact at the foundation as as a spokesperson for them. I try to do so many things every year that kind of highlight um, how important they are. <clears throat> two people that that are dealing with Alzheimer's as families and going through care issues. And so it's important that I always, you know, bring it up in my interviews, of course, and when I'm doing shows. Um, but yeah, you can go to my website or their website and, uh, and there's always an opportunity kind of to, to benefit them. 
That's awesome. And uh, uh, you know, you uh, you know, you mentioned uh, you, you know you've got nine albums out. Uh, yeah. Your your most recent one is uh, you know do you, is there a name for your album and uh, where can uh, our fans pick that up? Well, it's, so it's called Double Spin, and it's um, Double Spin, and it's basically. Uh, you can, you, you know, these days people are streaming, so you can stream it on, um, you know, it's on YouTube, it's on uh, Amazon Prime, it's it's on um, Spotify. There's a playlist for it, uh, but it's it, it's you know iTunes, it's 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 everywhere, all the major outlets. And then um, as far as the hard copies, I think they have those at Amazon, and my website has them. But most everything, you know, for me is kind of gone to digital and streaming. And um, yeah. You know, and not to take this, uh, you know, interview like, uh, like to uh, like a piracy, piracy standard. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going there with it. But uh, as an artist, what do you think of, uh, you know, stuff like Spotify and YouTube and all that? When people can, you know, download their stuff, and you know, you don't really see royalties for that, do you? Uh, what is your opinion <clears throat> on stuff like that? As that's going on? Well, it's a weird thing. I mean, so the new record, which is, which is, um. Which is which is double spin um, on Spotify. It you know the record downloaded 150,000 times, and in the old model of the music business, you know, 40,000 records sold would be pretty incredible. You know, I mean that's kind of like a really great 5,000 sold would be an indie artist, 40,000 would be great for you know even a national artist. And in this day and age, 150,000 downloads of the album on Spotify. Buy, buys you about a cup of coffee and so it's just it seems like there's a bit of a you know in one way you know for a guy like me i like the exposure and i like to get my music out there because ultimately um that's what i'm trying to do i'm trying to build my brand and, and bring people to my you know to my shows and knowing the music and wanting to hear it but at the same token it, it just seems to be a lopsided concept of of artists surviving i mean how how do you you know, it's hard for an artist to survive off their craft and their music when you, when you lose a revenue stream like that. There was a time when, when those records, you know, would make more money and it would help you get to the shows and, 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 and you know, buy hotel rooms and put gas in the car. And you could afford to go out and do shows to smaller audiences because, um, because you were making money with your royalties and your publishing. But now it's like you kind of have to really bring in the numbers at the shows or, you, or you're not going to be able to – Survive in the business. It's too bad because I think it changes the focus of the artistry and the creative aspect. Is, is seems to not be the most important thing anymore because of that. Now, uh, creative development. Albums, you know. Now, on any of your albums, yeah. have you ever uh, have you ever put on any of uh, uh, done your any of your dad's songs in, in honor of him or? Uh, when you're on stage, you do like a, a like a couple tribute songs to him. Uh, when you're out on stage there, so I, you know, it took me a long time on my own to do any of his songs, and it got to the point where people requested them so much that I felt like if I didn't do them, I was not, I came off like I didn't care or I didn't want to honor him or I was arrogant or something, and that wasn't the case. I just really respected his space and really you know, really wanted to be in my own space. But as I've gotten older and I've done more shows, I've kind of peace with that. And I really do love his music and I know it all. So it's the kind of thing where I get on stage and somebody requests anything, I will do it. And um, I will give my best shot 
And, um, you know, I have a little string section that, that does the string parts. And, and I, I really do dedicate a good portion of my show to his, his music, but I do it in kind of a legacy way where the legacy of my dad is rockabilly music. Um, him, him and I are both in the Rockabilly Hall of Fame. And it's, it's both of our roots. And I kind of develop it from there into my into his music and then into my music and you know where I've come with with, with my experience of music. So it's kind of a, a, a the legacy piece where I include all that: his roots, my roots, his music, my music. And um and I recorded a record a couple years ago called V Sings V, with intentions of touring it. And the funny thing is, I did it with all the songs that that we wrote together are. are recorded together and it wasn't necessarily his hits it was just stuff that we created we put together and and so you know that's something that i could venture and maybe maybe do a couple of the songs that i wanted to but I've, I've never recorded any of his songs over the years none of his hits none of it and and i but i, I you know that's something maybe i would consider with that project awesome uh robbie these are guests here we got about eight minutes here and we're going to wrap this up uh well you know, you mentioned you know you, you got Valley City. Uh, now, are you going to be uh, coming uh, any? Uh, are you going to be coming to Fargo anytime soon? And the reason why I asked is, you know, of course, my this is my ego talking here. Uh, maybe yeah. uh, you could you <clears throat> could get the if you do come close to Fargo, you could uh, if the icon contacts you, uh, maybe uh, I could get a pass or something. Well, that is that is just a no-brainer. I'll, I'll send you passes if I'm playing in Los Angeles. I'll just keep sending you passes with hopes that you show up. But yeah, if we get to the Fargoer, I'll let you know. We for some reason, you know, we play. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a grassroots guy. I'll play a, a, a town outside of Fargo, and I'll be everywhere but in the major city. It's a very strange thing, but that's my dad was like that. You know, he would play every every nook and cranny, and, and not always in the most obvious places. And uh, play all the fairs and whatever, but I, I had played Fargo uh, two years ago, I think it was, or maybe a year ago. We did the big uh, car show um, that was at the civic center there. And, um, and that was a blast. We had brought in the cars and we kind of set up in the middle and did a concert. And, but so I, I don't, I'll probably do to come back to Fargo at some point in the near future. You know, and I'll tell you what, we, we definitely love to have you because, you know, it's like I said, you know, your father will always be a legend here. Of course, he went to Fargo Central, if I'm not mistaken. Of course, that school is no longer around. And yeah. which which is which is really funny because after uh, the the second to last time I saw your dad again was again at the Fargo Theater, and uh, we uh, it was you uh, it was him and the V's and yep. I remember and, that. Uh, you guys yeah, all, you guys all autographed my shirt, my blue shirt, because it's the only thing I had. Uh, and uh, what was interesting about that is uh, there was a meet and greet afterwards. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying, I'm trying to remember uh, what your father had said. I, I it, 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 it just touched me. So he, oh, uh, because uh, I kind of told him the story what I told you about it. He said. I remember you. You were the only kid in the audience that knew who I was. I I remember that. <laughs> that oh, was awesome. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Um, you know, one of my memories from that night was. Um, so one of the guys. There, there was a, a skit before the show started, and it, it had a Richie Valens kind of dance thing or whatever. That was like a Richie Richie Valens and, and something that the local maybe theater or local group had put together. 
And, yeah, um, the, uh, uh, the Red River Dance Company. Yeah, and, and one of the guys that was in that is, is, was from what we now know as one of, as one of Fargo's great talents and, and uh, <clears throat> did that Fargo ever produce, which is the Blenders. Do you remember the Blenders? Yep, yep. The vocal group, the Blenders. Well, um, Ryan <clears throat> was, was uh, Ryan Lance. He, he was there that night, and he was part of that. And he played the guy with the Richie Valens in that that little skit. And it's the first time I ever met Ryan from the Blenders was that night. And uh, that's that's so, one of my memories from that night. So. Yeah, and they also uh, gave your dad a Letterman's jacket from Fargo Central. I remember that too. That was awesome. And, yeah. Uh, uh, he, I remember he joked. He said. Geez, this thing still fits. Of course, it wasn't his original horror <laughs> jacket, but uh, we got Robbie V here. We got uh, four minutes here left before we uh, before we're out. Uh, uh, Granny, uh, Big Swing, what else you got for our guest? See, they're at all. Um, I don't really here. have. I don't really have anything icon. I mean, I pretty much asked what I wanted to ask, so I've just enjoyed the interview. Yeah, I mean, sort of the same. You know, sort of the same. Like I, um, you guys uh, did a good job of covering a lot of the questions I had. I mean, I guess the main thing would really be a lot of the times with athletes, uh, not necessarily wrestlers per se, but but athletes in general whose uh, whose father has played a sport, they oftentimes are judged and looked up to in the eyes of what their father was as an athlete, you know, can he live up to his career or can he surpass it or is he not as good, yada, yada. Do you feel like in the music business it's sort of the same? People are kind of looking at, you know, what he did and, and kind of judging you against him, saying like, hey, you know, is he better, is he not as good? I mean, is he different? I mean, do, do you feel like you get that uh, comparison a lot? Well, I mean, I, th- I think I could probably put the end game would be that, you know, me being – his son and being, you know, I, he was my hero growing up. So I, as far as, you know, I, I think that he raised me in a certain way with a mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, I toured on the road with him over the years and, and he kind of would, you know, he liked baseball. There's the inner game of baseball. He he taught me a lot about the inner game of music business and, and just being on stage. And, and I was really raised to be in my own space. I knew it at a young age to not copy him, to do my own thing. And I never, ever considered myself, I just considered myself a different person. I never felt like I was in competition with anyone in my life musically. I always felt like I was in my own, my own space to be the best version of me that I could be. And that's how he was, too. He didn't compete with other people. He didn't compare himself to other people. Um, he, he just wanted to be the best version of Bobby V he could be. That's how I am about Robbie V. I know exactly who he is, and I want to be the best Robbie V I can be. And I learned that from him. And, and you know, I think the minute you take your blinders – off and you start looking at other people and trying to figure out what you mean to people or where you belong in the world, I think you just get lost and I don't I don't think you're functioning from your heart or your craft anymore. And I think that the greatest lesson he ever taught me was just stay focused on your work. You know, the audience is going to think what they're going to think, but you need to just define yourself and be yourself and from the heart and just go with that and um and don't size yourself up to the anybody else but yourself. You're only you're only running a race against yourself to, to be the best version of yourself you can be. And, and you know, mm. my dad used to say that, you know, that he wasn't a competitive person almost to the point of a crime, and I'm, I'm not either. I just, I'm glad to be here. And if people think that he, you know, if they want to do a comparison, they can very well do that. Of course, I'm his son, so there's going to be things that are similar, I guess. 
<clears throat> but I really am just, uh, I'm the biggest fan and, and he's the greatest and he'll always be the greatest to me. And, um, you know, I am grateful for all the great gifts he's given me. And, um, but I truly, I truly, the minute I start thinking like that, I just feel like I'm not in the, I'm, then I shouldn't be in the business anymore. It's like, I should really just focus on myself and what I need to do to be a good version of me, you know? And, um, and, and as far as he goes, I, I think that that's what he taught me. So, you know, and the other thing about your dad, I'll always remember every time I saw him on stage, I believe I saw him six different times. He always loved to clown around on stage. There was, you can always bet that he was going to do some kind of funny thing on stage, whether it be tossing uh, beach balls out or just kind of like doing like a funny dance or something. He was always clowning around on stage. That's the other thing I'll always remember about your dad, how he loved to clown around. Well, he had a big personality, and he he had he genuinely um, even to you know to the end of his life the the the, the trait personality trait that carried with you know, the, the the thread through his life that I remember as a kid to the last moments of, of seeing him was joy. He, he just knew how to plug into that spirit of joy in life, and he on stage he had it. Um, you know, with me and our relationship, he had it. Uh, to the, you know, even with his Alzheimer's, he had it, and that's what you, you're, you're kind of describing. He just had so much joy and zest for, for life and for performance and for music. And it would just shine through in that silliness and that lightness. That's what that is. And that's, he, that's truly him. You know, that was him, his core. That's awesome. We got about uh, 30 seconds here left. Uh, uh, real quick here. Uh, so you can uh, uh, plug yourself real quick. How can our fans see you? Uh, how can they, uh, how can they follow you? Well, you know, I'm, I've got some uh, – RobbieB.com is a great way to, to check out my website, where I'm playing, my touring schedule, and more info about my, my music. Um, Facebook, there's a couple sites on there that I kind of try to contribute. It's, you know, I think it's just Robbie V on tour or Robbie V something, but I, I try to put up info here and there. And then I think I'm on Instagram. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I think I am. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the social media and then the website probably are two, two really good places to follow me and check out my music. That's awesome, Robbie. Well, I'll tell you what, we want to thank you for joining us. I'll send you that address if you whatever you can send to us uh, for giveaways. So we'd appreciate. You've been awesome, and uh, uh, hope to have you on again. And I want to stay in touch with you because uh, I can't wait to see you on stage. Well, this was a lot of fun. You guys really appreciate it. This was genuinely a lot of fun, so thank you. Thank you, Robbie. You're awesome. Okay, take care, guys. Robbie V, Bye-bye. ladies and gentlemen. Uh, real quick here, you guys want to join us next week. Uh, we have uh, uh, Sue Ann uh, Breton, uh, the director of my uh, documentary, Mike Graydon, and we also have the Phoenix Kid, the masked man himself. Uh, so tune into that. Uh, it's going to be don't, awesome. Don't forget and about Oh, yeah. We also got a show tomorrow. Uh, Conrad Thompson and the legend, Ronnie Garvin. Uh, tune in tomorrow at uh, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, 9 p.m. on the other coast. And uh, time, yeah. tune in to us. Yeah, tune in to us. Don't tune in to cut the promo. That's That's the way it is. Wow, shots fired. Hey, listen, though, we have to be off by 12 because if it goes over 12, Blog Talk doesn't let you do it because it goes into the next day, and you only allow one All per right, day. We'll so, um, All right. Yeah, yeah, so we are going to get into it. We'll see you tomorrow night. Dead man walking. You 
done it now. 